G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without blemish. And welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Today, Pastor Jeff speaks from Ephesians 5 about our view of God being shaped by our own fathers and how our home life impacts the rest of our time here on earth. Not only that, but our homes are designed to be a precursor of what's to come in heaven. In other words, husbands, our job is to bring out the godliness and full potential of Christ in Christ in our wife. This is Today with Jeff Vines. It starts with us. Uh, How many of you guys think you could still fit into your tuxedo that you got married in? How many? Wow, not that many. Really? Come on, have some fun. Humor me here. How many? Yeah, okay, thank you. A couple of you. Okay, how many of you wives think your husband could fit into the tuxedo? Okay, a couple of you. That's good, that's good. Uh, Later in the message, I'm going to ask you about another outfit uh, if you could fit into that. And this is the kind of outfit that one size fits all. It's just a matter of whether you want to wear it or not. So just keep that over to the side for a moment and turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Ephesians chapter five. And as you turn to Ephesians chapter five, uh, I want you to notice verse 25, by the way, I want you to notice that I've set the stage to look a little bit like home would look like. Now, the stage is not that large, so I can't have a refrigerator on here and a full sofa and all that. But I've done this because I'm wanting you to make an admission before you leave this weekend. I want you to admit something. Uh, In other words, I'm asking you to move past denial into admission, okay? Uh, We didn't have very many people in denial here as far as fitting into their tuxedo, so this must be an honest crowd. I want you simply to admit that your home life, the home in which you grew up, impacted you greatly. I I don't want you to leave here this weekend without saying that the relationship you had with your mom or your dad or your siblings, good, bad, ugly, whatever it was, I want you to come to terms with reality that that greatly impacted who you have become. Your fears, your hopes, your dreams, your pet peeves, all of those things wrapped up into your home. One of my favorite movies, uh, Forrest Gump, is where Jimmy comes back to the family home there in Alabama. And if you know anything about the movie, she had been sexually abused by her father. It was a horrific situation. And she comes back to visit the home after her father's dead and her family's gone and the house is run down and she comes with her friend Forrest. And suddenly, you can tell by the transition in her face and demeanor, it just fit of rage Uh, occurs and she's remembering now and thinking and realizing as an adult all the damage done by her father, how she had tried to seek the approval of men all of her life. 
She had become addicted to drugs. She had tried to find something to fill the gap, to fill the hole in her life, and it had been the wrong thing every time, and now had destroyed her. And so out of anger, she starts throwing rocks at the house and breaking windows. And finally, she just bends down on one knee and then sits down under the dirt and begins to weep, at which Force Gump says what? Sometimes I guess there's just not enough rocks. Every single one of us in the room has been impacted, for better or for worse, by the homes in which we grew up. And I can't do anything about those homes. I can't. It's in the past. Only to tell you that you're not alone and that God is able to do much more than you could ever ask for, hope for, or imagine. Immeasurably more. And that he can even take that horrific situation many of you found yourselves in and actually turn it around a disadvantage, turn it into an advantage and use it for his glory. One of my good friends that is in leadership at our church uh, shared with us recently that he went through a very difficult home life where his uh, father was very abusive, alcoholic, uh, and there's a lot of verbal and mental and physical abuse in the home. And I remember him saying that, how did, you know, how did you make it through? And he says that, well, I always felt God was there. And quite frankly, if God would not have revealed himself to some of you in those horrific situations, there's no way you would be where you are today. But the baggage is still there. Now, we've been in a series where we talk about home and we've said home is here, the ecclesia, the called out ones. And we've said that if you live in isolation, you will never be able to experience life as God has meant you to experience it. Not only that, there's a high risk that you'll be sucked into the vortex of the world away from God's community, away from God himself, away from the path that you're supposed to be on. And we put four chairs on the stage last week and I ask you to be honest with yourself and to decide which chair you're really in and decide, have a life-defining moment where make a decision to get to the fourth chair. Now, if you missed last week, which chances are high, most of you did, go online. I never, I seldom do that. Go online and listen to the message from last week because if you don't, you'll be lost. Uh, not, not for eternity. You still go to heaven if you don't watch last week's sermon. But, but you'll be lost in the series. We are a new community here and I want this to feel a welcoming place. That no matter who you are, where you come from, that this could be home to you. And that right now there's a movement in our church called Rooted. And things are happening in those groups. People are getting vulnerable. People are becoming transparent. We are experiencing Acts 2 type stuff in those groups. But many of you have not signed on. Many of you are not in there. And this is not a commercial for that. It's just to tell you that God is doing something amazing. Don't get left behind. Community is where accountability and love and encouragement and all the things that God wanted to see in his church become a reality when we meet together and hold each other accountable and encourage each other and call each other forward. But I want to shift gears this weekend, and I don't, I don't want to talk about so much this community, a welcome home of the church. I want to talk about your home. Because part of what's problem, part of the problem in America is that homes are breaking down. I've been a pastor for 30 years now, and in the last 10 to 15 years, it's no longer the exception to find a home that is broken. It is the rule. And I'm not talking only about broken marriages. I'm talking about broken kids. I'm talking about marriages that are still together, but the family and the home is still broken. And I meet more and more kids now 
who are looking for a sense of hope and security. They don't know what to put their trust in because everything they've trusted has failed. And so that impacts our community and it impacts society, it impacts our world and our culture. But Jesus talked so much about marriage and singleness and the family and our children. And so did the Old Testament. And so did Moses and Abraham. So did the Apostle Paul and the Pauline epistles. So many precepts, so much advice on the way we raise our kids, on the way we relate to each other, and on the impact the home will have on your life for years to come. And so I want to turn our attention toward your home. I can't do anything about your home of the past, but I can tell you if it was bad, really bad, and you're still impacted, admit you are, but give it to Jesus. He is able to do immeasurably more than you could ever hope for, ask for, imagine. But I want to talk about your home. Now, here's the problem. According to scripture, we got to get this right because if we don't get this right, then we can't be successful in effectively communicating the gospel out there. If in here is not good, out there cannot possibly be right. And so it's a paramount importance that we do a good job here and create homes of safety and security and stability for our kids that they might go out into a world. They're going to face a lot of If I can be crass for a moment, crap out there. And they got to know there's one place they're loved unconditionally. They belong and they're honored and they're respected and they're encouraged. And where does that start? Over the next four weeks, I'm going to take as long as I've ever taken to deal with this issue. But just this weekend, where does it start? Where does building a strong home start? It starts the day you decide to marry Who you decide to marry and for what reason you decide to marry is going to determine the strength and stability of your home from day one. This is Today with Jeff Vines and his message, It Starts With Us, about the purpose of marriage and home life. Let's continue now with Pastor Jeff. Who you decide to marry and for what reason you decide to marry is going to determine the strength and stability of your home from day one. Now, here's the problem with that. Marriage... It's thinking hard. It's hard. Scott Peck puts it this way. He says, romance is a temporary state of insanity. (laughs) So powerful that it overrules our sober judgment just long enough to get us to the marriage altar. He's saying that sane people would never marry. Another friend of mine says it like this. I don't have the quote on the screen, but he says, in marriage, two Deeply flawed people are going to hook up in hopes of producing one bliss-filled, problem-free relationship. In horse racing verbiage, we would appropriately call that the long shot. When Robin and I got married, my father-in-law, who's a pastor, insisted that we go to marriage counseling. And I remember as a 22-year-old, this is what I looked like when I was 22. Looks just like Delaney, doesn't it? I'm seated across the table from the marriage counselor and the marriage counselor looks me right in the eye and says, Jeff, you know that marriage is hard work. And he uses this example like a garden. You got to till the garden. You got to plant the garden. You got to water the garden. You got to fertilize. And I'm sitting there thinking, dude, you got no idea who I am. I am the man of this woman's dreams. Every desire she's ever had is going to come true in this guy right here. I am the man. 
And I remember thinking, man, I feel sorry for your wife. If that's what you see as marriage, it's hard work. But I bet she's really fulfilled. And do you know why I said those things? Because I was an idiot. Pure, unadulterated, stupid idiot. I had no clue that marriage was about to get very difficult. Now, if you were to ask my wife today, 28 years later, how's the marriage going? Let me tell you some things she would tell you. Well, I'm happily married. He has a lot of issues. <laughs> and I love him in spite of the issues. And at times it's really tough to be married to Pastor Jeff. <laughs> he thinks he's the man. <laughs> and sometimes he is. But other times he's like a little girl. <laughs> but... Through the good and the bad, I'm in this for the long haul. And as long as he obeys me, we'll be fine. <laughs> now, here's the deal. Here's the thing I'm trying to say. Is that if marriage is the secret to a solid home, and the solid home is the secret to our effectiveness in bringing the gospel to the world, then how is it that two flawed people can come together both of whom have unrealistic expectations going into the marriage and produce strong homes. How, how is that possible? You say, wait a minute, Pastor Jeff, what do you mean unrealistic expectations? We've been through this before. Let me give you a, a 90 second review here. What's the one question a woman is asking while she's dating? The whole time, the whole time during the dating scenario, she's asking one question. Is this guy for real? Is he after a cheap thrill, a good time, or does he really want to relate? Is he going to treasure me? Is he going to honor me? Am I going to be a front burner item? Now, the problem is she's asking that question for a long, long time. In the meantime, the guy is at his deceptive best. He is, he is acting in a way he's never going to act again. He's, he actually takes her on long walks and listens. Conversation appears to be interested in her hopes and dreams and what's going on in her life. We'll actually turn the TV off. We'll sometimes forego a football game just to be with her. So over time, she keeps asking all of this. And sooner or later, against her better judgment, she's convinced, oh man, I'll tell you what, it appears that I am somebody's treasure, that I am honored and I'm loved and I'm gonna be a front burner item. I think I'm gonna say yes. Now, just about the time she says yes, what's he doing? Well, he's a little boy. Trouble with little boys are they're raised by bigger boys who were raised by even bigger boys. And the guy is thinking, okay, think, think about it. Now, don't be so hard on us because men don't do this. It's, an, it's, it's, it's not an instinctive shift. It's something that just happens because it's the way we were trained. All right, let's, let's take school and athletics. You know, I go to school in August. Uh, bat, uh, uh, football is first. So there are the tryouts and then there are the practices, the games, the tournaments, the awards banquet. And then I put the football uniform in the closet and I put on the basketball uniform, the tryouts, the games, the practices, the tournaments, the awards banquet. I put that uniform in the closet. Then it's baseball season, so forth and so on. That's the way we live our lives. Uh, when we're little boys, our dad gives us a little list on the refrigerator, mow the grass, blow the leaves, you know, clean your room, check it off the list, get it down and move on to the next item on the agenda. To a man, he's trying to get the marriage job done. And so about the time she's opening up the book entitled Marital Bliss and about to write the first chapter, what's he doing? Well, he's getting the marriage job done. He's attended all the practices and tryouts and the romance and the courting. 
She says yes. So he goes to the awards banquet. <laughs> the honeymoon. And then as soon as she's getting ready to write the first chapter on marital bliss, he's checking the list and moving on to the next item on life's agenda. Now he's going to make a name for himself in the corporate world. And what she thought she was going to be a front burner item, she becomes a back burner item, and that's a recipe for disaster. Now, women, what do they want out of marriage? They want companionship, somebody to honor them, value them, be in their corner, intimacy, yes. What does a man want? Three things, basically, right? Sex, sex, and more sex. Uh, you, you can't say that in church. Yes, I can. Because, first of all, it's ordained and inspired by God himself. But the reality is that we men have gotten a bad rap in this generation because it's not true. It's not all we want. Yeah, it's a lot of what we want. Okay, it's most of what we want, but there are other things. There are other things. We also want words of affirmation. We also want to be valued and honored and respected, just like you do. Now, the, the, the issue is that when you go into marriage, and that is the overarching goal of marriage, then you're going to be experiencing rude awakenings. But if you go into marriage understanding what the overarching goal of marriage is, then you will endure staying for the long haul and actually be happy about it. You with me? The ultimate goal, I ask people, why do you want to get married? Well, he's handsome. He's not going to be handsome forever. He's got great muscles, great body. That body's going down. Right? Right? He's got a lot of money. He may not always have a lot of money. You're going to leave him? So the answers I get from people I want to reach across the table is, are you crazy? Well, we have so much, we, you know, we, uh, we, we run together. Uh, uh, it's not going to happen, man. So then what do you get married for? For what reason do you get married then? If it's not for intimacy, which it is partly, and community, it is partly. Uh, a helpmate, it is partly. Yeah, all those things are part of it because that's the goodness and gift of God. But it's not the overarching reason for marriage. What is, Jeff? Man, it's just been the last few years that I've been able to really glean this from Ephesians 5. Please, let's go to the word. No, no pop psychology. No, we've dealt with this in the past and I've gone just superficial. Let, let's go down deep, okay? Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Verse 31, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you should or must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Now, at first glance, you look at this and you think, okay, this is simple enough. Notice he starts with the husbands. Husbands, this weekend is about you. Next weekend is about your wife. So you don't want to miss next weekend. <laughs> this weekend, he starts with you and me as husbands. And something beautiful happens here. And I tell you, in the past, I've always just stayed right here. Because on the surface, it, it appears, okay, here's a metaphor. Jesus loved his church so much to die for it. So now we're told as husbands to love 
our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up. So that just reeks with sacrifice. So right from the get-go, when we go into marriage, we go in with the idea that we are not going to live for ourselves, but for our spouse. That we're more interested in meeting the needs of our spouse than getting our own needs met. That we're going to give up something that's good for the sake of something better, our wife. Now that in itself is huge, but we're just still right here. He goes on and he says, not only that, but make her holy. Cleanse her by the washing with water through the word to present her to himself as a radiant church. So Paul says, Jesus sacrificed everything for you. You sacrifice it all for your wife. But then he goes on. Jesus provided a way to make his church holy. He died for their sins so that they could be righteous and blameless before God. Husbands, you love your wives that you might make her holy, righteous, and blameless before God. In other words, husbands, our job is to bring out the godliness and full potential of Christ in Christ in our wife. Wow, what is this? And then in verse 32, he says, by the way, this is a profound mystery. I'm talking about the church. All right, which is it? Are you talking about the church or are you talking about marriage? And the answer is yes. (laughs) Ephesians 5 is meant to teach us guys that marriage, the purpose of marriage is a recapitulation of the gospel. (laughs) More simply said, the purpose of marriage is to make you like Jesus. Is to smooth out the rough edges. That God is so committed, Philippians 1.6. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to the day of Christ. He is so committed in making Christ's followers holy. That he comes up with this idea of marriage. And in marriage, you are going to have all your weaknesses exposed. The Holy Spirit through the married relationship. You're going to have to become like Christ if it's ever going to succeed. You're going to have to give of yourself. You're going to have to meet someone else's needs. You're going to have to forgive. You're going to have to show mercy. You're going to have to be like Jesus. And until you recognize how messed up you really are and all the flaws we really have, then you won't understand why it is God is sending someone from the outside into your life to straighten you up. This is Today with Jeff Vines. We'll continue Pastor Jeff's message, It Starts With Us, next time on the program. Marriage is that we would rub against each other like precious gems to smooth out the rough edges so that we would be able to present each other before Jesus. You can hear more messages or read more information by heading to vision.org.au and searching for Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life.
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.